no attraction for the aroused adolescence. Syl fought back determinedly and took the full brunt of the assault. She kept calling on Billy to run for help, but, at ten and drunk, all he could do was bury his head in his arms. It was when they pulled her by her hair into the trees that Syl gave up. The pain was indescribable. All three took it in turns to have her. The ripping of her clothes, the sweat and filth of a gangbang, and their leering faces as they violated her, destroyed her in a way that their briefly sustained penetrations could not. The dark boy kicked her. If you run to the cops, you'll get more of the same, understood? With a belated sense of self-preservation, Syl closed her eyes and shut him out. She could name each one, although she never would. Her dad would kill her if he knew she'd been raped. Lou crawled across the grass. They've gone, she whispered. You okay? Yeah. He shouldn't have stood on him, Syl. Syl stared at the hymenal blood on her thighs. She needed to get home without being seen. I wouldn't have had to if you hadn't called him a virgin. You're a fucking stupid bitch, Lou, and you didn't do nothing to stop it. There was no sense in us both getting done. No, said Syl. But you fucking well will be if you or Billy ever tell. Got that? Because if my dad has a go at me again, I'm off. And I ain't never coming back. The cooling between the two girls was noticed by their families. Louise Burton's father tried to find out what had caused it, but Lou shrugged and said Syl had found another friend, and the truanting ceased abruptly. For Priscilla Trevelyan's parents, the break was equally welcome. Their daughter had become wayward in puberty, but Louise Burton's unquestioning subservience had exacerbated it. Mr. Trevelyan had exercised a tough, physical discipline to control Syl. The girls' teachers were less sanguine after a fight broke out between them on Friday the 29th of May. There had been three weeks of hostile silence before Louise said something that prompted Priscilla to react. It was a catfight of teeth and claws. The pair were finally pulled apart and marched in front of the headmistress. Priscilla stood in stony-faced silence while Louise sobbed about Syl trying to persuade her to truant again. The headmistress made the decision, in the absence of apology or explanation, that Priscilla should be punished with a week's suspension, while Louise was let off with a caution. Syl's father took out his disapproval in a thrashing, and, as she'd threatened, she ran away during the early hours of Saturday the 30th of May. Mr. Trevelyan described the punishment as couple of smacks when the police asked if there was a reason for his daughter absconding, but otherwise could not account for the out-of-character behaviour. She had a good home and was doing well academically. Yes, there had been a few truancy problems, but that was the fault of the secondary modern system. Priscilla was easily bored by lessons that were geared to the less intelligent. Louise, under questioning by a sympathetic policewoman, confessed the rape. She couldn't name the boys, but her description led to them being rounded up. They denied any knowledge of rape 
Priscilla or Louise, and nothing was found to connect them with the girls. Nor, when Louise tearfully insisted that Syl had brought it on herself by getting drunk and talking sexy, did the police believe an assault had taken place, heavy petting, perhaps, but not rape. The boys were released after questioning on Monday the 1st of June. Rape was taken less seriously in 1970. Extract from Disordered Minds by Jonathan Hughes Howard Stamp Victim or Murderer The brutal murder of 58-year-old Grace Jeffries in June 1970 in Bournemouth was another case where public pressure influenced police handling of an investigation. Press outrage over the slashing and stabbing of shy, disabled Grace whipped the public into a frenzy, and pressure was on the police to find...